Holy Hour of Power. This is the Terry and Jesse show. We are two blue-collar lay Catholics that want to help people love God, and we want to save souls and slay error. Amen. I'm reporting for duty. <laughs> Terry, what about I'm you? I'm reporting for duty, Jesse, and I see that you're at home, and tomorrow morning I'm going to meet you at the <laughs> Phoenix airport on our way to Iowa. Brother, I know yeah. you finally got a day home at the house. God love you. Hey, Jess, I just um, I have to say that today's topic is going to be good because Our Lady of Akita, we keep talking about her, 1973 in Japan, talking about bishops and cardinals arguing and, you know, having all kinds of confrontations. Well, we're, we're there. I mean, it's amazing. And what I, I think is important right now is we have more Orthodox bishops coming out and speaking out for the truth. I'm glad that's happening. Also, yes. this is a topic that fascinated me. I saw it a week ago. Uh, Cuban communism and LGBT rights have the same deep roots. What's that all about? And it, mm. it, it really made me think about it, as what's going on in, in uh, Cuba. And then my favorite topic is what the saints have to say about how to control anger. And boy, uh, I... Boy, do we need that right now. You think? I mean, somebody just compromised my card uh, 38 times at Amazon and I just got my bank statement and saw I said, who's buying all that stuff at Amazon? It ain't me. So these things happen. So what do we do? We say a prayer for that person because you know what? <laughs> at his exit interview, all that stolen goods, almost $1,000 worth of product, he's going to be accountable, Jess. So I didn't get it's mad. A, I just prayed yeah. for him. So It's got, not going to go too well for him. No. And Jess, when I wanted to talk about something that's very fascinating, uh, you, you know, you can tell what's going on. The last 10 years, we've had Pope Francis's being the Pope. And are you ready for this? Two million fewer baptisms have taken place from 2013 to 2022 now. And so that. Under his papacy. Under his papacy. And not only that, 700,000 uh, less marriages. And then what I thought was interesting of confirmations were really uh, having uh, a challenge. The um, number, yeah, mar- and the first communions dropped by 12%. Uh, so all these levels are dropping, but what really got me, Jesse, in these 10 years is we peaked at 120,000 seminarians in 2011, and uh, now, are you ready? Drum roll, I hate to say this, uh, yeah, it's dropped uh, uh, way down uh, in these last 10 years. Uh, we're down to a 19, yeah, we're, we're down, what's it show here? Hang on, so between two, yeah, 111, so about 10,000 fewer seminarians, so everything has dropped. And I, I'm going to say this, Jesse. Under I'm, the Francis yes, papacy. And I think it's because of the confusion that he brought and his papacy. We need to pray for him to confirm us more in our faith rather than say one thing over here and another thing there. And people are asking, what do we believe? Why would a young man want to commit himself to the faith as a priest if the church isn't real clear? And as Bishop Robert Barron said, a corrupt church is a church that doesn't speak clearly about its teachings. So I'm, I'm done. And one more good to know file. Spanish bishop, close to Pope Francis, he bans EWTN from his diocese TV channels. Why? He thinks that they're too critical of Francis. Uh, uh, not wow. your turn, Jess. Unbelievable. Yeah, Lord on. help us. Good to know. A couple of, a couple of other need-to-know items. Yeah, hit me. The feds, the feds are backing a collapsed bank's deposits. The federal officials oh. on Sunday announced they had unilateral unilaterally decided to back all depositors in Silicon Valley Bank following the institution's collapse. Wow. Despite federal law only allowing a guarantee of deposits up to $250,000. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen approved measures to resolve the failure 
of the Tech Lending Bank before announcing the decision to the public. On Sunday evening, Yellen said the move did not constitute a bailout and would not cost U.S. taxpayers anything. I don't really, I don't trust them terribly. Where's the money coming from, Jesse? That, that can't be true, okay? I'm not going to say it's a lie. It just can't be true. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, there you go. Uh, also, judge cites slavery law in ruling on embryonic ownership. Mm-hmm. A Virginia judge ruled last month that frozen embryos can be considered property. A decision based in part on the 19th century slavery law, quote, as there is no prohibition on the sale of human embryos, they may be valued and sold and thus may be considered goods or chattels within the meaning of, of the code uh, 80193, wrote Fairfax County Court Judge Richard Gardner. Must be a woke li- liberal. Yeah. Also, German Synodal Way affirms trans agenda. Delegates of the German Synodal Way on Saturday overwhelmingly passed measures to change church practices based on transgender ideology and push the universal church to ordain women to the sacramental diaconate. The votes took place on the final day of the process concluding assembly. And finally, want to give kudos to that young Catholic, Matt Walsh. Yeah. He, uh, Matt Walsh has been lecturing from one part of the country to another. And he says this, quote, Chopping pieces of your body is not health-affirming care, <laughs> close <think>? quote. <laughs> God bless you, Matt Walsh, many young Catholics like him that are fighting in the culture wars and fighting for truth, Terry. You know, Jesse, sometimes I just have to shake my head, and I'm saying, is this microphone on? Did you hear what you just said? Jesse, are you, the sky is blue. What? I don't believe that. Come on. It's got to be black. All right. My point to you is this is the world we're living in. Brother, let's get some good soul food in our soul, because that's what we need most right now. Yes, the good news uh, Holy Bible, B-I-B-L-E, yeah. basic instruction before yep. leaving earth. Yep. Gospel, Luke's, saying, Luke's gospel, chapter 4, verse 24 and following. Jesus said to the people in the synagogue at Nazareth, Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. Indeed, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was closed for three and a half years, and a severe famine spread over the entire land. It was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to a widow in Zarephath, in the land of Sidon. Again, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When the people in the synagogue heard this, they were all filled with fury. They rose up, drove him out of the town, and let and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town had, had been built, to hurl him down headlong. But he passed through the midst of them and went away. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Terry, I think that throwing people off of buildings uh, on head first and falling on their head, yeah. I think this is something that's consistent with the Middle East because we see here that this is what they wanted to do to our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. We also see that they did this. Uh, there's two James, James the Great and the James the Less. One of them was thrown off the Temple of Jerusalem head first and smashed his head when he fell down. Yep. And then Muslims also do this to homosexuals in Sharia law countries. Okay. They throw them head first from high buildings on their head. So this must be some type of Middle Eastern way of executing people. It's pretty obvious. But moreover, uh, in today's gospel, where our Lord says... Uh, in Luke chapter 24, 
that no prophet is acceptable, Jesus Christ is placing himself in the company of the Old Testament prophets, many of whom were rejected and even killed by fellow Israelites. And we also see from verse 25 to 30 that Jesus recalls the mission of Elijah and Elisha as he tries as he tries to explain his own ministry, using them as a backdrop. These prophets, Elijah and Elisha, they lived during dark times when God looked unfavorably upon the northern kingdom of Israel and, and sent blessings to the Gentiles instead. So Elijah was sent to a widow in Sidon, and Elisha cleansed a Syrian leper. And so our Lord Jesus Christ is declaring that the acceptable year of the Lord will likewise be a time of blessing, even outside of Israel to the Gentiles. And uh, this collided, obviously, with, with Jewish perspectives, with the Jewish thought that anticipated only punishment for the Gentiles, for the Gentile nations and no blessings. Also, the fact that they wanted to drive Jesus out of the city, the crowd probably intended to stone Jesus as a false teacher, which was one of the common ways for them uh, to get rid of the prophets, Terry. Well said. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now. Bishop Sheen and Cardinal Robert Seurat have been together for quite some time. And boy, they've been discussing the Dermot Senate. Wow. Well, here's what the Cardinal said to Bishop Sheen. He said, Bishop Sheen, what's happening in Germany is terrible. One gets the impression that the truths of our faith and the commandments of the gospel are being put to popular vote. By what right can we decide to renounce part of the teaching of Christ? Question mark. You know what? He's spot on, Jess. That's exactly what's going on. It's like majority rule. So tr objective truth is out. And what is out is subjective truth. The person who you think is true, then it must be true. And that's not what the Catholic Church teaches. And I just want to give a plug, Jess. Bishop Strickland, at 2 o'clock today, I'm going to pre-record his show. He's going to do a whole show you know, there were 70 bishops who signed a letter to the Senate, uh, to the uh, bishops of Germany condemning what they were doing. Bishop, Stry Bishop Strickland's going to take the gloves off. He's going to lay it out to them uh, what they're doing as basically being an apostate church. And I like that he'll do that because we need clarity. All right, Jess, that's my take. Terry, March 25th and 26th, we're having the, the 2023 Spiritual Warfare Conference. And it's been sold out for a while. Yes. But here's the good news is that we plan on live streaming right. the event. That's right. And so all you have to do is go to the website and click on the flyer and, and sign up and pay the, 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 the fee mm -hmm. so that you can watch it live from the comfort of your house anywhere on planet Earth. Did well, you hear that? Yeah, you won't miss Anywhere on planet Earth, you can watch the Spiritual Warfare Conference. You don't have to get on a plane. You don't have to rent a hotel. <laughs> from the comfort of your own home, Take a notepad, a paper, yep. and a pencil, a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, whatever you drink, and sit there and just take in the rich teachings of spiritual warfare from the Libra Cristo instructors and from Bishop Strickland. Well said. I think we're taking a break. We're a little over our time. Uh, Mr. Engineer, yeah, we'll, get, we'll come right back after a quick uh, break here on the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio in 20 seconds. Okay, I got mixed up. Jesse, last thing about that conference Yes, please tell your friends because we want you to, you're not only going to be able to watch the video, you own it, okay? Yeah. You'll have access to showing it to your family, to uh, the parish as a Bible study on spiritual mm. warfare. Oh, yeah. We want you to take this and get the information distributed as wide as possible. When we come back, we're going to talk about 
what Our Lady of Akita said about the cardinals and bishops. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. We're back to Terry and Jesse. Sh- We're back to Terry and Jesse show. This is the uh, the Holy Hour of Power. We want to talk now. As as uh, I just want to remind you also that this is the month of Saint Joseph and all your prayers of Saint Joseph, Chair of Demons. Pray for us. We want to talk about the public debate between Cardinal McElroy and Bishop Paraki over the meaning of conscience, natural law, church doctrine. Some people think this is really just academic speak. No, it's not. This is this is crucial. This this is regarding the salvation of souls. We we see errors here that are being promoted by Cardinal McElroy, like situation ethics and relativism, and this is deadly. So, the article is called Conversations with Their God. It's put out by the Catholic thing. Uh, it says, the Cardinal McElroy implicitly declares conscience as godly because in his judgment, our perspective on right and wrong, noble and no- noisome, virtue and vice, reigns supreme. We have become gods, knowing good from evil. <laughs> as uh, the devil lied to, the, to Eve in Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. McElroy would no doubt contend that I have caricatured his position. He knows and preaches that one's conscience must be formed. As Pope Francis has stated, the church's role is to form consciences, not replace them. Good line. Categorical exclusions of the divorced and remarried and LGBT persons from the Eucharist do not give due respect to the inner conversations of conscience that people have with their God in discerning moral principles in complex circumstances. The single word that discloses the Cardinal's, McElroy's heterodox belief here is the simple possessive adjective, there. Where he writes the inner conversations of conscience that people have with their God. There is the error of McElroy, their God. This clearly suggests that we do not simply belong to God, rather in in some unspecified sense, God belongs to us. St. Paul taught, something quite different in first Corinthians 6 19 and 7 23 when he says you do not belong to yourselves but to God close quote similarly the catechism reminds us that quote the education of conscience is indispensable for human beings who are tempted by sin to prefer their own judgment and to reject authoritative teachings close quote yes can I just jump in on this article what I thought when I read this article was I'd like to ask Bishop uh, Cardinal McElroy and any of these liberal bishops to open up their catechism. And I, no, I'm serious. I'm going to open them up to paragraph 2333. Let me read this paragraph. And I'm going to say, do you agree with this? And they're going to say, no. Then I'm going to say, step down. L- listen to what it says. Homosexuality refers to the relations between men or between women who experience an exclusive or predominant sexual attraction towards persons of the same sex. It has taken a great variety of forms through through the centuries and in different cultures. Its psychological genesis remains largely unexplained, basing itself on sacred scripture, which presents homosexual acts as acts of grave depravity. Tradition has always declared that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. I'll repeat that. Intrinsically disordered. They are contrary to the natural law. They close sexual act of gift of life. They do not proceed from a genuine effective and sexual complementary, under no circumstances can they be approved. Bishop Cardinal McElroy, do you agree with that paragraph? Yes or no? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm convinced that these guys who are writing right now, who are officials in our church, 
They just flat out have said, I don't agree with the catechism of the Catholic Church. And as a layman, I feel like saying, dude, step down. Go ahead, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> I had to say it. Go ahead. Yeah. Get yeah. the article. I just had to bring At, that up. Good, good, good commentary. Uh, it, 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 this also reminds me of what, the way some Protestants and even some, some, yeah. some uh, very overly emotional Catholics, yes, they'll, say, emo- they'll say this. Terry, God told me, God spoke to me, <laughs> so it doesn't it doesn't matter what you tell me. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the catechism says or the Bible says. God spoke to me, Terry, yeah. Jesse. In other words, they're saying, I've made up my mind, conversation over, I want to remain a low information Catholic. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Hey Jesse, so, just just before you go on, yeah. Uh, your your comment is well taken because <laughs> about five hundred years ago I read the life of a saint and uh he was uh, being charged to go to a monastery where supposedly one of the monks was uh, was saying that he, the Blessed Mother was appearing to him and giving him all kinds of information. And um, when the official from Rome went to the monastery and knocked on the door and the guy says, yeah, I'm, that's me. I'm the one that the Blessed Mother's appearing to every night. She's appearing to me. And the investigator went, hey, have a great evening and left and went home and said, the guy's a nut. And so all I'm saying is, Jesse, if someone comes up to me and if I heard you say that to me, I'd say, Romero, dude, calm down. You, yeah. You, you, there's something going on here that's not they right. Quit watching the Twilight Zone, Jess. <laughs> yeah, and that's my point, why these people think that they're superior, that somehow we have more knowledge than what the church has taught for yeah. centuries. Come on. That's just that's just very, very prideful. No, I'm going to set the record straight. God's never, God never, God's never spoken to me in 61 years. Yeah, just, me either. Yeah, just your wonder. Now, he does speak to me when I read my Bible every oh, day. Oh, every day, yep. That, 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 he does speak to me when I read my Bible. But apart from that, I've never heard an audible voice from, voice from God. So I just want to set the record straight. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so at an even deeper level, this harks back to an earlier heterodoxy, the contextualism or situation ethics oh, yeah, of we've heard Joseph that. Fletcher. That's right. Who died in 1991. In 1952, Pope Pius XII condemned situation ethics. He pointed out that the proponents of moral leniency erroneously hold that the church, instead of fostering the law of human liberty and of love, and of demanding of you that dynamics which is worthy of the moral life, instead bases itself almost exclusively and with excessive rigidity on the firmness and the intransigence of Christian moral laws, Frequently resorting to the terms you are obli- you are obliged or it is not listed. In a very taught to splendor, sound familiar? Pope Saint John Paul II addressed this question of complex <laughs> exactly. moral circumstances. And again, I think I think McElroy should read that papal document. Yeah, J- big again, time. yeah. It says, "quote the quote the importance of this interior dialogue of man with himself, even more fully." St. Bonaventure teaches that conscience is like God's herald and messenger. It does not command things on its own authority, but commands them as coming from God's authority. Amen. Like a herald when he proclaims the edict of a king. This is why conscience has binding force. Thus, it can be said that conscience bears witness to man's own rectitude or iniquity to man himself. But together with this and indeed even beforehand, conscience is the witness of God himself, whose voice and judgment penetrates the depths of man's soul, Calling him to obedience. <laughs> yep. Not, not disobedience. The truth. In this and not in everything else lies the entire mystery and the dignity of the moral conscience in being the place, the sacred place where God speaks to man. And he adds this that. This is key right here, Jesse. Say it. 
Conscience formulates moral obligation in light of the natural yeah, law. Yeah, and these guys don't get that, Jess. The universe, the universe, the universality of the law and its obligation are acknowledged, not suppressed. Hey, Cardinal McElroy and those whose emphasis on conscience results in de facto situational ethics, mm-hmm. whatever their protests of the contrary, ignore or traduce the natural moral law and divine positive law, holding that God's path is outdated or onerous. Their approaches constitute, we might say, the magisterium of the mirror, <laughs> reflecting our taste, our temptation, our truth. Have we heard that? You have sounds my like truth? Sounds like Satanism. Exactly. That sounds like, yeah, that's, that's, that's the, the, that. from, yep. from the cent- for Satanic Bible. Right from the, yep. Cardinal Robert Seurat has bewailed the absence of leadership or its corruption among those who are anointed and ordained to speak truth to power from the pulpits of Christ's church. He said, quote, the real scandal is not the existence of sinners for mercy and forgiveness always exist precisely for them, but rather the confusion between good and evil caused by the tergiversations of Catholic shepherds, <laughs> of men who are consecrated to God, who are no longer capable of understanding the radical nature of the gospel message and seek to anesthetize it. Let me soften it up. Yes. We will be going the wrong way. Thank you, Cardinal Robert Sorrell. Very clear. And Cardinal Sorrell also says... He does not quote from Lamentations, but he might have, he might, he might well have, for it is there that we find this, uh, this false prophet, prophets. prophets. They are preaching deceived you by never exposing your sin. They made you think you did not have to repent. Does that sound familiar? Hmm. It is the duty of the priest, admonished Malachi, to teach the true knowledge of God. But now your priests have turned away from the right path. Your teaching has led many to do wrong. This is right now, right now. And that's from that's from the Bible, Malachi chapter Malachi. 2, verse 7 and 8. Exactly. Now, the theological complexities of Episcopal de- debate might be of truce, but the main questions in play are as timeless as they are critical to for the salvation of souls. Whom do we follow? This is the real question, Jesse. Who do we follow? Whose authority do we trust? <laughs> Go ahead, Jesse. Say yeah. it. Who is Dominus, the Lord? <laughs> Shall we accept the moral the moral leadership of ourselves? Heck no. I know. Or Humanism. shall we humbly and gratefully accept the counsel and command of Scripture, of tradition, exactly. and of the settled? Notice the word. Yeah. The settled magisterium of the church, not the uh, no, uh, not the ongoing uh, you know uh, what's it living living document, yeah. living and breathing. No, trust in the Lord with all your hearts. Never rely on what you know. Proverbs chapter three verse five. Terry, what we're seeing here again is Akita Japan, nineteen seventy three. Uh, the Our Lady of Akita said, quote, the work of the devil will infiltrate even into the church in such a way that one will see cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops against bishops. We got it. The priests who venerate me will be scorned and opposed by their confreres. Churches and altars are sacked. The church will be full of those who accept compromises. And the demon will press many priests and consecrated souls to leave the service of the Lord. The demon will be especially implacable against souls consecrated to God. Yep. The thought of the loss of so many souls is the cause of my sadness, says Our Lady. If sins increase in the number and gravity, there will no longer be pardon for them. In other words, St. Alphonsus Liguori even said yep. that there comes a point in time, Terry, when you commit so many sins so many, and over and over and you don't repent, you don't try to mend your life, yep. where God says, you know what, I'm done, you're playing games. Yep. Uh, you know what, your heart is hard and your sins are not forgiven. 
Yeah, and Jesse, I want to make something clear to people, what we call a conscience. We call it an informed conscience yeah. is the conscience of the church. So when I say, well, my conscience says contraception is okay, they used that 50 years ago to say, I'm not going to follow Humana Vitae. See, this is not new, new stuff going on, Jesse. This has been going on for decades. And, you know, now uh, there's so many people who have been misinformed, even, even cardinals now, even bishops I, I talked to Bishop Strickland a lot about this. He, said, I, I don't, he says, I don't know what these bishops believe anymore. Because I, I go to my conferences and I ask myself, do you guys really believe in the real <laughs> presence of Christ in the Eucharist? <laughs> yeah, he said that. I got it on YouTube. <laughs> because why? Because he cares for them. He's not trying to make an enemy. But you know what? Uh, we need bishops that are going to teach, sanctify, and govern the church because that's their role. That's right. What's up next, Jess? Up next, go. Terry, we're going to be talking about Cuban communism and LGBT rights. They have the same roots. Yeah. Satan. You got it. Stay yeah. with us, family. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. Yeah, we're too blessed to be stressed. Yes, we're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. Stay with us, family, for more on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Are we having fun yet, Jess? Even though we have to talk about some tough subjects, I'll tell you what I still have joy of because I know who the Lord Jesus Christ is and I know who wins at the end of the game of that's life. That's exactly it. I mean, come on, dude. I mean, that, that, yeah, that's the definition of hope right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about uh, yeah. Cuba, communism, LGBT rights. What do you mean they have the same deep roots, yeah. Jess? Terry, by the way, I like that commercial where the guy says that Terry and Jesse are the Argus of Catholicism. I looked it up a while back ago because I what's Argus? Yeah. It stands for Advanced Repair Guidance Information System. Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> that's that definition. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty, it's a compliment. Yeah, it is. So yeah. let's talk about uh, uh, Cuban communism yeah. and the LGBT rights have the same roots. Invited by the political left and LGBT associations, Mariela Castro Espin, that's uh, one of the Castro's regime of a female yep, in the relative. regime of Castro, mm -hmm. arrived in Italy for a speaking tour that started in Milan and Genoa and continued, continued to other major cities. Castro Espin spoke about human rights in Cuba. Her presence <laughs> among us raised a wave of criticism. Even in Rome's Montecitorio Palace, where the Chamber of Deputies meets, Thus, let's introduce the character who is the target of the attack. So, Mariela Castro Espin is a daughter of Raul Castro, the niece of Fidel Castro, and a leading member of the clan that has brutally oppressed Cuba for more than half a century. Her brother, Alejandro Castro, heads the Council of Defense and National Security. The site of the Cuban Defense Ministry defines the work of this council as taking care of the coordinated action of all the forces and resources of society <laughs> and the state carried out under the direction of the Communist Party of Cuba to deal with external military aggression and to prevent internal subversion. Yeah, keep the people in, in, exactly. in line by, by killing like them. KGB, brother. Yeah. In other words, this entity organized a total repression of society under Cuban communism. Yeah. Again, it is the tropical version of the <laughs> KGB. On the other hand, Mariela, female communist family member of, of Castro, represents a very unique version of Castroism. She's a member of the National Assembly of Popular Power, the Cuban Parliament dominated by the Communist Party. She's also the president of the, here it is, National Center for Sexual Education. Unbelievable. The National Commission for Integral Attention to Transgender People and the editor of the magazine Sexology and Society dedicated to sexual liberation. 
Castro Espin is a champion of LGBT rights and a symbol of the fight against gender discrimination and homo-lesbo-transphobia. I haven't heard that one for a while. Castro Espin, her visit to... Uh, let me go to the, the, the next one. Okay, uh, critics that 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 Castro Espin's tour was was a propaganda tour tool for Cuban communism. The tour also revealed a flagrant contradiction. Yep, Cuba's known for its persecution of homosexuality and other moral deviations typical of Western decadence, but until recently, Cuban homosexuals and long-haired hippie types were sent to concentration camps. Yep, at the time of Che Guevara, people ended up in concentration camps just for listening to rock and roll, wearing jeans, or using Anglo-Saxon words. Even today, LGBT activism is barely tolerated, if not hunted down. So how can Castro Espin come to Italy to pontificate about human rights and sexual liberation in Cuba? When pointing out this contradiction, critics spoke of deception, blatant political maneuvering, and even dishonesty. Shockeroo. Indeed, there was a deception and leftist political maneuvering of the left in Castro Espin's tour. However, the problem is more profound. It involves the internal dialectic of communism. Communism is a third stage of the revolution that is a process of decadence which, since the fall of the Middle Ages, has been pushing the world away from Christian civilization. Two notions express the spirit of this revolution, absolute equality and complete freedom. Both seem, and indeed are somewhat contradictory from some point of view. However, they're reconciled in the communist utopia of an anarchist paradise, the final result of the revolutionary process. This transformation into anarchy would be a fourth revolution aimed at liberating not the proletariats, but the instincts of man for all restraints. Terry, you want to pick it up from there? Yeah, I just want to say something about this yeah. article too, Jesse. It seems to me yeah. that, uh, you know, Cuba... And uh, they, the whole, ki- whole idea of, of communism is to take care of you all the way through and say that, you know, you have no freedom, but we're going to take care of you. It's such a lie. And that I asked this question, Jesse, can you name one state, one country who's, who's in a communist rule that the people are being treated well and that they have freedom? One. Just give me one, Jess. None, Terry. There's uh, everywhere where communism is, has yeah, been tried, the- it's failed. Right. And, 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 uh, and I'll tell you. Joseph Stalin, yeah. he, he knows that communism will destroy America. Joseph Stalin said the following, quote, America is like a healthy body and its resistance is threefold. Number one, it's patriotism. Yes. We're losing that. Right. It's morality. Yeah, we lost that. We lost that. And it's spiritual life. Mm-hmm. We're losing that. Well, Stalin said, if we can undermine these three areas in America... America will collapse from within. And I'm telling you, Terry, the party that's facilitating the, discru- the, the, the collapse of this is the Democrat Party. Yep. All right, well, your point is well taken. And I think that the communists know that if we undermine America and its morality, for example, if we can promote homosexuality, what does that do to the family? It destroys it. And, you know, the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. Yes. So everything in Cuba as they say, is completely controlled. Any activity not sanctioned by the government can lead a person to prison, like China, and worse, the wall of execution. It's inconceivable that Castro, has been a high-ranking member of the Cuban non-Columature, could do anything that is not explicitly permitted 
indeed, to promote it by the Communist Party. So in other words, this high-profile activism for LGBT rights in Cuba is abroad, is part of their strategy, Jesse, that we're just saying. It's International communist the next strategy. step. Yeah. Like you said, the fourth revolution. And that revolution germinates within the third and perhaps even clashes with it. The historical dialect process may generate eternal conflict, but it always advances toward the goal of the Antichrist utopia. An anarchist. Anarchist yeah. utopia. Now, go ahead, Jess. It's, this is a good it, point right it's here. It's no coincidence that while maintaining Soviet-style repression, Cuba, yep. Cuba has progressed towards moral, moral libertarianism. Yeah, libertarianism, right. For example, free sex reassignment surgery has Any been legal good? since 2008 in Cuba. Yep. In 2014, gender discrimination was outlawed. In 2018, a referendum approved a new family code, which includes same-sex marriage, adoption of children yep. by same-sex couples, surrogacy, and so on. Indeed, the field of LGBT rights. Cuba is on par with the most liberal countries in the world. We might also mention that abortion was legalized in Cuba in 1965. So, yeah, so communism and this whole sexual libertinism comes from Satan, and both of them are firmly embedded in, in, in Cuba right now. <laughs> Last paragraph, it says... Reacting to Mariela Castro Espin's visit, several anti-Castro figures in Italy have called for a ban on communism, just as there is a ban on fascism. I couldn't agree more. However, let us not lose sight that the problem is more profound. Today we cannot be true anti-communists without also opposing the, more, the most recent developments of that revolutionary process, abortion, homosexuality, the LGBTQ agenda, and general moral decadence, which in America, guess where that comes from? It comes from the woke Democrat left. And it seems like socialism, which is what the Democrat Party is promoting, is just a step to communism. I've, I've seen that over and over again, Jesse. Isn't that true? Absolutely, Terry. Uh, you know, be, the form of communism, which yeah. we're seeing now in the USA, yeah. and it's, Terry, it started under the Obama regime. Oh, yeah. It came under the Obama regime, and, and the first steps were to bring in socialism, which is communism light in America, was Obamacare. Yeah. Remember, communism only works if you take over the hospitals and medical facilities, and this is called socialized medicine. This happens in every single communist country where communism has been implemented. The first thing that they go after is the medicine, and they socialize it. Then they control the people. Like they're doing with us. Put a mask. Get six feet apart. Yeah. Take the jab. Once, once they control the medicine, Terry, they control the people. And we even have a faction of Democrats in this country that call themselves the Democrat Socialist of That's America. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Hey, this is the American form of communism. Terry. I love it. And Jesse, just to give an example, I have friends that have been to Cuba. And when you go to the medical facilities, the hospitals... Hey, Jess, make sure you bring sheets. Hey, Jesse, don't forget a pillow. Hey, Jesse, and the medicine. They do nothing for you. That's bring your toilet paper. Exactly. That's socialized medicine. The family has to bring everything, or guess what? You have nothing. This is what I think a lot of young people don't realize, Jesse, what communism is. And that's just why I think uh, sometimes it's good that they can see how these people live, actually giving them an opportunity to, to witness what communism is all about. Because in my mind... Young people think, oh, no, it's just that we don't have to go to work. You know, their mind is, come, they're going to provide, they're going to pay my bills, Jesse, my gas bill, my, my rent, my food. And, and, and this is really a good thing, so let's bring it on. Matter of fact, Jesse, statistically, our young people are over 50% positive when it comes to the word communism. What does that tell you? Unbelievable. 
Wow. We're in trouble. That's yeah. Terry, uh, 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 Christianity and communism are, are miles apart. Oh, they're, they're bitter enemies. Yep. Christianity is not communism, contrary to popular belief. Christianity is total is totally voluntary. Yep. In other words, nobody says, give us what is yours. It belongs to us. Right. Rather, Christianity, we say what it says in Acts chapter 432. It says that it says that. So none of them considered any of their possessions to be their own. In other words, Christianity gives generously and freely. Communism gives under the compulsion of the government. Absolutely. I always like to say, Jess, we're too inspired to be tired, all right? We're too protected to be dejected, and we are too renewed to be subdued because when we come back from our break, my favorite topic of the day, and that is what can the saints teach us about controlling our anger? Wow, (laughs) this is gold. Very practical. As a matter of fact, you know, for the the, uh, Lenten season, we're about halfway through Lent, to have the saints teach us something on this topic of anger— I always say, too, Jesse, uh, it doesn't say in the article, but the book of Job is a great example of how to deal with misfortune in one's life without Mm. losing your temper. Wow. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. Uh, We are blessed by the best, and we are excited to be able to share with you the teachings of the saints on how to control anger, especially St. Francis de Sales and his introduction to about life. Stay with us, family. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back to Terry and Jesse Show. Yeah. The saints teach us how to control our anger. Yep. And we need that. I'll tell you why, Terry, because sometimes when I surf the television, I don't oh. do it often, but once I, sometimes I surf, there are certain news stations that trigger me in certain personalities. <laughs> I and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I get a little bit angry that when means. I see... Uh, uh, Dr. Fucci, when I unelected Joe Biden. There are certain people that anger me, Terry, yeah. I have to say. Yeah, well, the book of James, chapter 1, verse 19 to 20, says, Let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of a man does not work the righteousness of God. So we, we're trying to be biblical worldview, biblical yes, people. Yes. So we have to take the Bible for what it says. So let's continue with this topic do you have a fierce temper if so you're in good company some of the saints were known for this characteristic that with god's help mm-hmm. they overcame yeah the gospel tells us the saint james and john were called the sons of thunder in mark three seventeen. <laughs> perhaps because of their impetuous nature as when they wanted jesus to call down fire from heaven to destroy an inhospitable town <laughs> remember that in luke chapter 9 51 other saints known for expressing anger include saint basil the great i didn't know that oh yeah whose hot-blooded temperament made it difficult for him to exercise tact in his dealings with others. A more contemporary example is the 19th century French religious brother, St. Benildus, I never heard of who him. once remarked, I don't know, I've never heard of him, who once, probably, uh, it says, who once remarked of his difficulties as a teacher, he said this, quote, I imagine that the angels themselves, if they came down as schoolmasters, would find it hard to control their anger, close quote. Mm. But when it comes to rep- a reputation for anger, few would argue that St. Jerome deserves anything other than first place. (laughs) The great scripture scholar had a brilliant but prickly personality and was famous for his arguments with other church figures, including St. Augustine, 
conducted through letters that were often vitriolic or sarcastic. St. Pamichaeus, a former Roman senator, corresponded with St. Jerome and tried to get him to tone down his language <laughs> without... Maybe, Terry, maybe he's the, the, the patron saint of, of our friend Michael Boris. You know, yeah, you come, go. Your tone, your tone. St. Jerome is his patron there saint. You go. Yeah. It says, without notable success, the Roman widow, St. Marcella, also corresponded with St. Jerome. He called him out. Sometimes challenging his ideas and once scolding him yeah. for his trigger-quick temper. Oh, yeah. It should be noted on Jerome's behalf, however, that in addition to being gentle with the poor and downtrodden, he was well aware of his weaknesses and performed great acts of penance such as living in the cave because of them, and also, Terry, pounding his uh, his heart with a big rock during the Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. Wow. wow keep Go going, ahead. Jess. Now, this some, is good stuff. Some saints who are known to us for their gentle nature, notably the great bishop, St. Francis de Sales, and the holy French priest, St. Vincent de Paul, had to work very hard to overcome their tendency towards mm-hmm. anger and covetousness, mm-hmm. or contentiousness, excuse me. St. Vincent said that without the grace of God, it would have been hard and repulsive, hard and repulsive, rough and cross. And St. Francis once claimed that it took him more than 20 years to learn to control his temper. Let me just jump in. These are great saint stories, but also practical. I have a priest friend, and you know him. I won't say his name, but he was a bouncer, okay? He's a (laughs) Franciscan priest, and he was at LAX, and this was right when the, the priest scandals were going on. And some guy came up to this priest dressed as a Franciscan and spit right in his face and said, that's what I think of you priests. And he told me, he says, you know, Terry, you know, when I was uh, a bouncer, if someone ever would have done that to me, he wouldn't have been standing. I would have yeah. knocked his you know, lights out. But because I've got this relationship with Jesus Christ and Our Lady, he said, I wiped my face and I said to the man, what's troubling you? And the guy was surprised. And this priest got to hear that man's confession at LAX because he didn't knock him out. He knocked him out with love and devotion and asked the man, do you want to go to confession, dude? And the guy said, yes. (laughs) See, that's the saints, okay? Now, again, Jesse, let's get back to the article. Come on, some saints are known for their gentle nature, but normally, you know, St. Francis de Sales, see, this is my favorite example from his introduction to Devout Life. Holy yeah, f- I shared that already. Oh, you already jump on the next paragraph. Okay. The four- in, where it says in the 14th century. 14th century, blessed uh, Columbii was a rather greedy merchant, particularly known for his bad temper. Okay. He flew into a rage one day because dinner wasn't ready when he arrived home. Hey, Dad, did you ever do that to your wife? I hope not. Hopping to shame him, hoping to shame him into a better behavior, his wife handed him a book about the saints. John threw the book on the floor, but then, ashamed of his temper, he picked it up and began to read. He became so engrossed in reading about the saints that he forgot his dinner. Awesome. Indeed, he was completely converted by this experience. He subsequently gave away most of his wealth, turned his home into a hospital, and personally cared for the suffering leper. When his wife urged him to be prudent in his charities, John, who was no longer easily offended by rebukes, gently reminded her, that she was the one who had hoped for his conversion, to which he su- supposed to have responded, I prayed for rain, but this is a flood. And then I love this last paragraph. Funny. Learning to control our temper, it takes time and patience. Mm. And some of the saints were willing to make extreme efforts in this regard. Yeah, for instance, when a storm interfered with his harvest, are you ready? 
St. Nathalie, angrily complained against God, immediately repenting. He vowed to, to gain control of his anger. He took a radical step. This is great. To remind himself of his, this vow, he bound his right hand to his leg with an iron lock. He threw the key into the river, promising that it would never be unlocked until he made a penitential pilgrimage to Rome. Years later, uh, Nathalind arrived in Rome. He purchased a fish from a boy there. And guess what, folks? Inside the fish's stomach was a key, which, of course, opened the lock. Just kind of like a scripture story. I'll continue, Jess. This is good stuff. Although the Lord probably doesn't expect such unusual efforts from us, he does want us to control our anger. Yeah. And he gives us opportunities to do this, especially in daily life, bearing patiently with others, annoying habits, correcting others, mistakes, and kindness with, with courtesy and courtesy, refraining from blaring the horn when someone cuts us off in traffic, refusing to yield to the temptation to judge others' motives rashly. When we have to speak to someone with whom we're angry, we should first pray for the Lord's guidance and yep. help. Yep. Asking the Holy Spirit to give us the right words that can help defuse a potentially explosive situation. St. Therese of Lisieux advises us, quote, when you're angry with someone, the way we find peace is to pray for that person. That's what you just said, Terry. Yep. And ask God to re- reward him or her for making you suffer. Yeah. Close quote. <laughs> we don't usually think of it this way, but those people who anger us are doing us an, an unintentional favor by allowing us to grow in patience. Yes, we got a little story from St. Therese. You remember the story where the nun with the beads, the rosary beads, was banging up against the, uh, the uh, kneeler and it was yeah. irritating her? And she said, well, I can either decide that that would irritate me or I could offer it up for the poor souls in purgatory. So guess what she did? She said, okay, bring it on. I'm going to use that as an opportunity of grace. Continue wow. with St. Alphonsus. That's another. St. Alphonsus Liguori, doctor of the church, he says, when it comes to, when, when it happens that we commit some fault, we must always be gentle with ourselves. Yep. Getting at ourselves after doing something wrong is not humility, but a subtle form of pride. To be angry at ourselves after the commission of a fault is a greater fault than the one just committed, and it will lead to many others, close quote. Thus, God wants us to control our tempers, even when we ourselves are their target. His healing ministry and peace are offered to mercy. everyone. Mercy and peace. Uh, oh, mercy, thank you. His mercy and peace are offered to everyone, but we'll miss out on them if we allow our anger to get in the way. Terry, pick it wow, up. Wow, St. Francis de Sales advice. Here it comes. That to avoid the sin of anger, you must quickly ask God to give peace to your heart. Then Hmm. you're angered, and then you turn your thoughts to something else. Don't discuss the matter at hand or make decisions or correct another person while you're angry. This is good advice for dads with the kids, to be honest with you. Hmm. When a person angers you, St. Francis advises, consider the person's good qualities rather than the words of action you find objectionable. Wow! Hard, good advice, hard to do. If you wish to control your temper, become aware of the circumstances with which you most likely will be angry in certain settings, such as a rush hour traffic with certain people, perhaps a particular neighbor or acquaintance, or at certain times of the day, maybe just before the end of the workday, when you're scrambling to clear your desk. Once you've learned from experience <coughs> what things can anger you, yeah, have a strategy. Prepare for these moments with a short, silent prayer. For instance, Lord, help me avoid losing my temper, or dear Jesus, let me stay calm. Finish it up, Jess. Yeah, Terry, uh, this 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 is completely consistent with uh, what St. Paul says. I'll quote it after. It says, yeah. it's also helpful to recall that when you're in a peaceful mood, a recent situation, when you, when you lost your temper, yeah. ask yourself, was my anger justified? 
How will I respond to this situation in the future? You can even practice responding properly by pretending the situation, this situation is repeating itself by letting yourself feel angry when you're alone. You can rehearse possible responses and evaluate which ones might help you. St. Paul. Let me, let, yeah, let me give you St. Paul some godly advice here. Mm-hmm. First, let me give you Proverbs. Proverbs 15, chapter 15, verses 1 to 3, it says, quote, A soft anger turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise dispenses knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place keeping watch on the evil and the good. Scripture. Now here's some just some common sense that I've heard somebody say one day, he who angers you controls you. Exactly. I think I, I think well, I heard Doctor Sandoval say my that. My mom used to tell me that. He who he, I think I heard Doctor Sandoval say, "He who angers you controls you." Yep. We got to remo- remember that emotions are listed as part of the fourteen emotions that Saint Thomas Aquinas says we all have. It's in the Catechism, the section on uh, it's the section on passions and appetites. It, it says that anger is one of the fourteen emotions that we have: anger and hatred. And again, they're normal, basic human emotions, but they must be subjected to right reason. Man. We all have anger as an as one of the fourteen emotions, uh, and when and, and our lower appetites, and we all have hatred as one of the fourteen uh, appetites and emotions that we have in in our lower faculties. Yep. But they must be subjected to right reason. Let me quote Saint Paul, and I'll wrap it up here. Sure. Ephes- Ephesians four twenty six. Saint Paul says, "Be angry, but do not sin." Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Well said. And never worry about who will be offended if you speak the truth. Worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if you don't. Yes, Romero, what state should we be living in, brother? I know we're going to be in the state of uh, tomorrow in some other state. Iowa. Iowa. Yeah, okay. But we should, all of us should be living in a state of a state of grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Go to confession as often as possible. This is Lent. Become holy or die trying. And make sure that... Uh, you know your faith, live your faith, and spread your faith, especially the season of Lent, Terry. Well said, Jess. And I want to remind you of Our Lady Fatima said, souls are going to hell. Why? Because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. So every action becomes like a blank check. Why not have Jesus Christ's name on every action of life? Make everything a sacrifice. Yeah, even the anger we talked about, by offering that, say, you know what, I'm not going to get angry, and I'm going to offer that up for the salvation of souls. Become partakers in the divine nature of Jesus Christ. May God richly bless you and your family. God bless you.